Hello, everybody. Today, we are doing a studio hangout and hope that you will work on your artwork with us at the same time. If you would like to grow as an artist and you can't afford an art class, we've got everything you need here at ArtProf, critiques, tutorials, and professional development. I will be moderating the studio hangout and we've got Jordan here. Hmm, what are you drawing today, Jordan? Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> because uh when is the movie coming out? I think you said Thursday. <laughs> I could have to get to the movie theater because Dr. Uh, Strange is night, in it. Friday is like the first full day. Yes, he is. I know you're excited about that, Clara. <sighs> I'm just <laughs> cheekbones. <laughs> <laughs> Kat, what are you working on today? You are in the lower right-hand corner, and we also have your reference photo. I'm painting a carnival glass chicken that you can find in the Art Prof Flickr page for reference photos. It's under the antiques section. And why did you pick that? thought it was cool. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a nice creature it's a chicken it's cute it's also this really strange color that i cannot understand what it is it's like a whole rainbow right there and i'm interested to see how i render it with inks by the way i'm using dr ph martin india inks today yep what color is that chicken like i don't understand what color it is isn't that weird did you you saw this chicken in real life, right? It seems to be kind of a weird green yellow glass, but it also has super rainbow reflections. Well, I learned what it was because my mother-in-law, the bread fairy, has a lot of carnival glass. She has that crazy psychedelic green plate that I've drawn before, and I had no idea what carnival glass was, but there was so much of it and the antique shows, antique stores when I was in Montana. It's, it's a really cool effect. Do you know why it's called Carnival Glass? I have no idea. We're just going to have to look that up. Or maybe our fact-checking audience can do it for us because we can't afford a fact-checking team. Tammy says, my grandmother had the chicken candy dish. I wonder if it's a specific time period that it came from. It must be. I don't feel like I see it being made nowadays, although I could be wrong. So Jordan, explain to us what's happening with all these reference photos. You've got three. Why do you have so many reference photos? I think you know what Spider-Man looks like. Yeah, so um, so the, the one on the top right of the screen, that's the pose that I'm using. That's from the Spider-Man PS4 game. Um, the one on the top in the middle is just for his mask. And then the one on the bottom, because he has a new suit in this movie, uh, I need reference for that. And uh, they designed kind of interesting way. So I wanted to make sure I knew what he looked like to the best of my ability. Um, just that I haven't seen the movie yet. I will. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. It's more Doctor Strange. 
my god. We could finally be excited for the same movie. It's awesome. See, I wish that I lived near you. Wouldn't we have so much fun going to see that movie together? Oh, that would oh be my gosh. That would be so much fun. <laughs> I would love that. Tell us in the chat, is anybody here in your own studio? Are you making your own artwork? And if you are, what are you working on? Because after the stream, we will be hanging out in the Art Prof Discord. And it's so fun for people to share whatever work it is that you're doing with us during the studio hangout, because it's just a great way to hang out together and inspire each other because, uh, I don't think I would get off my butt and do anything if I didn't have these live streams. That's like a compelling reason to get off my butt. <laughs> I feel that. I feel that. Sometimes I definitely want to be lazy in the evening. It's like, nope, gotta stream. Kat, George Harding says it's called Carnival Gloss because it was often given as a prize at carnivals. That's sort of a expensive prize, isn't it? Oh, that doesn't surprise me. I was also thinking maybe it's carnival prize, but isn't there something called depression glass, like depression era glass, where during the Great Depression, um, <laughs> cereal companies or cereal boxes came with a glass in the box sometimes. Like people can fact check me on this probably, but I think that's a thing. Like for some reason, glass was so much easier and cheaper to produce. Pat is asking, I've been using Dr. P.H. Martin's ink lately. I'm curious if it's comparable to watercolor. Never tried watercolor before, but I would like to. So I would say it is somehow a little harder than watercolor. Watercolor feels more mixable, softer, like it spreads easily when you have a body of water on the page already. But the inks, it also really depends on what kind of ink, because there's India ink, and then there's also this weird tech drawing ink, which I can show in the camera right now. So the tech drawing ink is definitely more plasticky, harder. It dries clear. And sometimes if you put too much on it, of it, the pigment can form a ring around like the pool of water that you put it in. So this is clear, more plasticky. But then when you have something like this, the India ink, which functions a little bit more like watercolor, I'd still say that it's a little harder, like it's harder to mix and stuff but it creates these like really nice bold shapes it can still spread like watercolor but there's there's a lot of differences between watercolor and india ink and you know what honestly whatever works <laughs> and by the way if anybody wants links to the art supplies that cat is using those are in the youtube video description below Ooh, we've got some more history jazz says carnival gloss originated as a glass called iridil Produced beginning in 1908 by the Fenton Art Glass Company, founded in 1905. Very cool. I wonder what makes this glass so particular. Like, why is it called Iridil? Iridil glass. Well, Jazz has an answer for us. <laughs> I guess this is the follow-up. Whoops, lost it. Hang on. Iridil was inspired by the fine blown art glass of such makers as Tiffany and Steuben, but did not sell at the anticipated premium prices and was subsequently discounted. Oh, that's cool. Hmm. 
Sister Bear says, I'm in my office making an animation of my pet pigeon in Procreate. Oh, that's so much fun. If you've never seen Mo Willems, he does these wonderful book, bleh, birds books about pigeons that you might want to check out. I've never heard of anyone having a pet pigeon. That's actually really cool. You know what's strange is that in art school, in every single year, there was at least one person who was obsessed with either pigeons or chickens. Like, it's a trend. <laughs> I thought there was a pigeon club at RISD. There was a pigeon club, yeah. For some reason, RISD got a bunch of these messenger pigeons, and then they were taken care of and passed down <laughs> from year to year. Really? How did I miss this? Yeah. <laughs> Huh. That is so bizarre. I did not know that at all. <laughs> I guess it's like part of a very specific RISD culture. But yeah, it's existed for many, many years and not a lot of people know about it. So Cameron is working on some OC doodles to warm up with. And we also have, for example, Emma, who is working on my animation final in bed. Jazz is packing an overnight bag for surgery in the morning. Oh, well, good luck oh with gosh. that, Jazz. I hope that that goes okay. I'm fascinating the variety of things people do while watching our streams, like from drawing the OCs to animating in bed to packing a bag before surgery. Like that's just, I, I, I don't think I could have picked those three things out of a hat altogether, you know? I always listen to YouTube when I'm in the kitchen. So I'm either washing dishes or cooking. Those are the only times I ever listen to YouTube. And by the way, everybody, right now we are doing registration for our premium tracks that are going to be running for four weeks in January. We're super excited. We are offering character design, figure drawing and anatomy, and also MFA portfolios. And you don't have a lot of time to register. The registration is due on Friday. So if you want to register for one of those courses, the links are in the YouTube video description below. And the premium trucks are really new for us. We just started them, but we're having a lot of fun. Like Jordan, what was it like when we did the digital track? I think my favorite part is just seeing the progress um, because six weeks is not a long time at all um, for anything. But to see how excited people were to work on the projects and then see their development throughout those few weeks and um, their understanding and just seeing the unique ideas that people had. I really enjoyed seeing that. Um, and also it was just really cool to interact with uh, the people who watch the channel more often. Like just getting to know you guys is awesome. And Kat, you're in the drawing basics premium track. It's a shorter track we're doing right now. It's just three weeks, but it's sort of extraordinary to me how much people invest into the track because only three weeks, you wouldn't think you'd be able to get much done, 
but there's been a lot of growth, which for me is the best part of teaching. It's just, oh my God, it, it just feels so good when you watch people progress and try different things. It's, it's so fun. I agree. I mean, I echo both what you're saying currently and what Jordan said before. It's just incredible to see how much progress people can make within a few weeks because we have this laser focused attention on you during the class. It's kind of different when you're sort of like out there in the world, you're not sure where to begin. We have structure, which is the tracks, which are available for free. But the premium tracks really give you that focused attention that really makes your growth just boom in a very short amount of time and will last for a very long time as well. What's the feedback that makes the difference? Because we've chosen to make our curriculums free. You can access all the prompts and lessons that people in the premium track are using, but it's like making your work in this vacuum is really hard. I mean, Jordan, don't you feel like you go kind of crazy when you can't get feedback? I think Jordan first. Oh no. <laughs> well, while Jordan's frozen. Oop. Am I frozen still? I don't know. Is... No, you're back. <laughs> I'm back. Okay. Um dang it, what was the question? Um <laughs> what did you ask me? <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> Isn't that pathetic? I just, oh like, my I'm like um, that guy. Do you guys ever see that movie Memento with Guy Pierce? No. I thought you were going to say Guy Fury. No. No. So he doesn't have any short-term memory. So something will happen and he forgets within five minutes what just happened. So I just had my Memento moment. I remember what it was. Ooh. You asked me if it's difficult to create art in a vacuum. And before my yes. internet cuts out, I'll say yes. <laughs> just, leave it <laughs> just leave it at that. Um, <laughs> it's very challenging sometimes. Art, creating art can be very lonely. Pat is asking, other than the guidance, how do the tracks differ from the curriculums that ArtProf offers? The tracks are a sequence. So we explain start with this, go to this, go to this. And of course you can jump around and do whatever you want, but I designed the tracks so that each lesson builds upon the prior lesson. And that's very different than just doing things randomly. The curriculums are more just a big, for lack of a better word, dump of content. It's like, here's what there is available. This is just what's out there. We're just letting you know. But the tracks take that content and organize it in a way that's digestible. That's why we made the tracks because a lot of people loved the curriculums, but the issue was that a lot of people were overwhelmed by the information because they knew they wanted to say study comics, but they didn't really know what skill to start with. And I don't think that there's necessarily a certain way things have to be studied, but it just makes it so you don't have to think about it. I mean. I just think it's confusing if you have to make those decisions by yourself and you don't have a lot of experience. So Tali's asking for Kat and Jordan, what was the first step that you took to be a teaching artist? Did you need a degree or no? Tali, I'm going to assume you're mentioning teaching artist here at ArtProf. If not, you can specify more. 
Um, but Jordan, why don't you answer? Did you need a degree for art prof teaching artist position? Uh, tech, really, I think it just came from being Clara's student. And um, yep. you tell the story. I don't remember. I don't remember this apparently, but I guess I went to visit Clara's class like two or three years after I had taken her class. And she was like, Jordan, you'll be a TA at some point. So no, I didn't need a degree, but I was pursuing one already. So yes and no. Well, you <laughs> had finished, you had just finished your undergraduate degree when I hired you as a teaching artist and you were about to start your MFA. That's and right. you were an intern many years, like in 2016 or something crazy like that. So as far as teaching artists, I mean, we're not like an institution. We don't have all these rules and stuff. I just want to know, can you do the job? It's really only places like academia where they're like, you must have an MFA or do not apply. You know, there are places like that. But here it's just like, do you get along with Clara? <laughs> I mean, that's pretty much it. Yeah. I mean, Kat, I don't know that you took a first step as much as you just got involved as an intern and we shot some tutorials while you were still a RISD student. Yeah, I guess it just sort of escalated that way. So basically I was Clara's student at one point and then Clara was like, wanna be an intern? And I was like, okay, I'll be an intern. And then after my internship, Clara was like, wanna be a TA? And I was like, okay, I'll be a TA. <laughs> but. I do want to point out something that was key in Jordan's onboarding for Art Prof, which is basically networking. <laughs> um, because Jordan, you said you visited Clara after you were her student, right? And I don't think without yes. that visit, Clara would have like otherwise remembered you, right? I guess not. But the funny is, I don't remember even doing that. That's the craziest thing to me. Like, <laughs> like I don't know what to do with that information now. So it's really great. I'm thankful for it. But like, mm -hmm. I think it just goes to show that there's no gesture that is too small. People oftentimes think that professional networking has to be attending a conference in Minnesota with all the people in your field. And it's not like that oftentimes is something you weren't even thinking about and i think that's where it's important not to write off any experience mm -hmm. here's a question for cat amaris says time to switch over to art zine unsure of my topic i want to use any suggestions jordan i love your art my dude thank you <laughs> I don't understand. Time to switch over to art zine. Well, Amaris, maybe you can clarify what you mean by art zine. Are you trying to make your own? Are you doing hard copies? Are you doing it online? And we can come back to your question. Contemporary Sumera says, I'm looking into teaching art to little kids online. Any tips? Oh, it's really hard oh, with little kids. That's hard. I don't know if you're talking about elementary school kids in the US that would be kids who are five years old to 11, I think it would be so impossible because they just don't have the attention span for it. And I taught elementary school for many years and I think maybe fifth graders could start to do it, but I think kids younger than that, it would be really, really hard. So I would keep stuff really short if you decide to do it. Like I wouldn't do a session longer than about 20 minutes. Because... 
just you just lose them. It's hard. I I feel for anybody who had to teach elementary school online last year, or or maybe people still are. I mean, it's really really hard. Candy Licious says, "What's your take on renting an art studio space? Is it worth it?" I did rent a studio space for a very short period of time, but I didn't officially rent it. I sublet it from somebody who wasn't using their studio. And it was absurdly cheap for our Boston studio. It was really nice. It was a five minute drive from where I lived. I think I paid 200 a month, which is insane for the Boston area for a nice studio. And it helped me because I was doing these big drawings that were seven feet tall. I just didn't have space at home. And I liked it. But the thing is, I have kids and I was not able to spend that much time there. So ultimately, I decided to not keep it because it wasn't worth it. It's great if you have work that is too messy or toxic or whatever. But for a lot of people, it's absurdly expensive to get a studio space. I mean, I don't know how people can afford it. Your average person. Okay, so Amaris is following up, making my own zine to print. I'm switching over from embroidery portraits to planning my zine. Well, Jordan, can you give some tips about just like starting something new? Because you just started your YouTube channel. And I know you were mulling over that for a while. And starting something is tricky. And Kat, maybe you can give some zine tips later. Uh, yeah, well, I think when it comes to starting anything new, the first thing is just have confidence in yourself because that's um, and and don't defeat yourself before you even started. I think that's where people run into these issues where they just automatically think that uh, the worst is going to happen when they put themselves out there. And oftentimes those are where the biggest blessings are. So if you're worried about starting something new, just first off, you know, have have patience with yourself, believe in yourself, focus on ways that you want and just go out there and try it. And if it doesn't work, then it doesn't work. But I would, I personally would much rather have um, tried something and failed than have regrets later on. Kat, any zine tips? Because I know you've actually printed some hard copy comics in the past. Do you have any tips for that? Because there's so many options. It's like you could just print up demand. You can go to the local copy shop. It... Yeah, it's a huge world out there. I guess I'm curious, what kind of zine is it? Are you making it yourself? Is it one story? Is it an anthology of stories? Is it just a collection of visual work? Another thing is, it, is it, another thing is, is it an anthology where there are multiple participants, in which case, I guess you're spearheading the project and you got to make sure people put their, get their submissions in on time, that it follows dimensions well, that it all looks cohesive as a body of work. I think honestly, one of the hardest things about zines is, well, obviously you have to put it together, but then printing it, like printing it itself is like a really long process and arduous, but once you get that done, it's going to be easy to make zines from then on. So you just like, if you're starting out, that's gonna be a big headache. So anything you do right now, it will take a long time. You'll have to figure out a lot of things, but then just know that after this process, any future zines you make, it will be easier. Brian is asking, how do I get good at inking muscles? I want to draw comics. Well, you are asking 
the right people. Cat, inking tips. Jordan has this saying called pencil mileage, which means that you just have to draw a lot with a pencil. And it's the same thing with inking. It's a very meticulous and easy to mess up medium. And so you need to practice. And when you first start out inking, don't be alarmed <laughs> if the results aren't as neat as you think they will be. That's gonna be natural. You just have to keep at it. So basically what I'm saying is instead of pencil mileage, ink mileage. You just gotta do a lot of it. Well, it's interesting, Kat, because oftentimes the advice really is that simple. You just have to practice it a lot. And Jordan, I oftentimes feel like that's such boring advice and I wish I could make it more exciting, but isn't it sometimes just that simple? Yeah, and you know what might help? if we put it into a slightly different context, like if you were to ask um, Steph Curry, right? Like uh, apparently he just like hit the all-time record for like top three-point shooter in the history of the NBA, right? If you were to ask him how he gets better, the one thing is obviously he has the right technique and the right form, but then he just practices all the time. Like that's really it. You have to put that in. There's no, and it's boring, be it's boring advice because there's nothing you can do about it. That's the X factor that separates I think Jordan froze. Oh no. <laughs> he was into such good advice. That's okay. Yeah, but we got the heart of what he was saying. We did. We did. <laughs> I'm so sorry, guys. My internet is wonky. Internet gremlins. Well, it's just, it's the advice nobody wants to hear because it's not fast, it's not easy, and you do not get immediate results. Nobody wants to hear that. <laughs> like, I saw this video the other day, it was in my YouTube, it was like, how to make an art school portfolio in five hours. And I was like, no, come on, don't, don't do that. Don't make people think that that's a viable option. And let's face it, people don't want to be told that things are hard and take time and none of that is that fun but it is how you get there mm -hmm. charismatic says how best would you recommend how to record making your art well kat i know you've been doing some experiments for tiktok recording some of your processes and we do have a video charismatics where kat and i and mia rozier go through various logistics of how to record your stuff to make video shorts. So just look into YouTube art prof video shorts, you'll find it. But do you have any tips, Kat, for recording? I'd say get two things. One with a, you need a phone that has enough battery and storage space. And two, some kind of apparatus to hold the phone because that's really all you need. So I recently recorded a painting that I did and that's literally all I did I just had the phone holder yeah like that I had the phone and I just like record it record what did help actually was that I did pause it every 20 minutes to go take a break but I just made sure that the apparatus like it did not move um, and then later on in like iMovie or some other video editing software it doesn't have to be something you pay for it could be free like iMovie is I just stitched the videos together it was pretty pretty simple so nothing my fancy. recommendation, 
I really like Video Leap. That's a really good video editing app. It's very user-friendly. They have a paid version, but honestly, the free version is great. So I recommend that as a app to explore. Adriel says, using watercolor, how many layers is too much? I think I sometimes overdo it and lose the transparency I would like. I mean, too much is when you get to a point that you don't like the results. <laughs> I mean, you can layer forever and ever and ever, but maybe if it gets you the results you want, that's totally fine. I do think, though, that watercolor almost moves faster than my brain. And what I try to do when I paint with watercolor is I deliberately paint much slower. And that's the only way I can keep my strokes fresh. People think about spontaneous strokes as, oh, they're so fast and quick. They're not. Like I paint very slow when I have watercolor, but it's because it is so easy to overwork it. I mean, Kat, you're doing something sort of watercolor-like. How are you handling the layering and how much to continue layering? I'm just exactly as you said. <laughs> I'm just putting down a stroke and hoping, oh, I hope it looks good. And if it looks good, then I'll keep at it. <laughs> but eventually, if it looks bad, I'll move on to some other place or just stop altogether. And yeah, I guess my approach is quite watercolor-like, but I am by no means a watercolor artist. I'm going into this painting with the confidence knowing I can go in with colored pencil and marker and paint <laughs> later to fix my mistakes. I am, I'm not a sole watercolor painter. <laughs> Crispy Paintbrush says, question for Jordan, do you have any tips on making cohesive color palettes or color schemes in Procreate? Um, well, Procreate has a lot of tools already for color schemes. They have palettes in there. They have um, like different tools in the color setting. If I was working on my iPad, I would be able to show you much easier. Um, but I would play around with that. Um, another thing you can do is you can just look at photos or paintings or pieces of art that you like and just look at the color palettes on those and mimic that. Um, I know plenty of artists who do that, including myself. And, you know, as long as the picture compositionally and story-wise looks different enough, no one's going to like call you out as like stealing. <laughs> so like you can't, you don't own a color. You know, no one owns a color <laughs> as far as I know. So Anish Kapoor does. <laughs> he bought the blackest black. Oh, okay. Well, unless it. you got money like that. Unless you got money like that, everyone <laughs> owns colors. <laughs> Crispy Paintbrush, we do have a stream where Lauren demos exactly that, where she goes, she finds a painting, she colors, like she's got a whole procedure for doing it. Just look up Art Prof Color Scheme in YouTube and you'll find it. Polly's asking for Kat. If I have a large amount of characters, I want to introduce them. Would it be better to do a mini comic of those characters? I guess it depends on the context. Like what kind of story do these characters live in? Are you focusing on one story or maybe you're focusing on a series of stories, a mini comic of those characters? Um, here's the question. What is your story? Is it a story that involves all of those characters? Is it something lengthy like, I don't know why, but I can only think of Naruto right now. status <laughs> <laughs> quo. Yeah, I just want to know what kind of comic is it? Because the characters, they don't just exist. The characters live to serve a story. They live in a world. And what is the story you want to tell of this world? 
TX Watson says, where do people learn in-depth information about pigments and color science? Whenever I look, I just find the same few ideas that seem like first steps into a much more detailed field. You know what you might do, TX Watson, is look up Guerra Paint in New York City. I'm going to put this into the chat. I can't remember their website, but it's in New York City. And they have an extraordinary range of pigments and all kinds of color science things. I bet you anything, they've got stuff on their site. I think they've done some videos too. They might have a YouTube channel, but look them up. Because yeah, that's hard information to track down. At least the people who really know in depth how that works. It's not easy to find that information. Zofia says, when I ink and erase the pencil, the ink seems to fade. Is it the pen? Do I need to draw lighter with my pencil? Any thoughts, Kat? I think you should draw lighter with your pencil, but it also is the quality of your ink. What kind of pen are you using? If you're using ballpoint or uh, some of the cheaper inking pens, that then they will fade. But if you're using straight up black ink, like here's one from Yasutomo, traditional Chinese ink, you can see it in the webcam. Um, something like this, it won't fade if you paint with it and then you erase away. Another thing is Dr. P.H. Martin's Black Star ink. Um, that's another black ink. So it depends on the kind of ink, yes, but you can also just draw lighter with your pencil. Brian is asking, is there a website to go to find work as an artist? I'm trying to find work, but it's a little difficult. Any tips, Jordan? Um, there's always Upwork. Um, I think that I think out of that one um, and Fiverr, I think that one's probably the best option. Usually Fiverr, they only charge like $5 or something. <laughs> um, I think Indeed.com could work, LinkedIn. Um, also, but also, you know, if you just post your work on social media, sometimes people will reach out to you, especially if, if they really engage with your work. Um, I actually, I have a friend of mine who, um, who put my Instagram handle in someone's comment. And they were looking for an illustrator for, um, for a project they were doing, and they hit me up like a day or two later. So, you know, if your work is good enough, just put it out there and see. But yeah, I think Indeed, LinkedIn, Upwork, those kind of websites are good. AJ says, Kat, I have like three stories in my mind. Two are mostly thought out. I want to do a quote, meet the character for each of my characters, but I have no idea how to do that. How would I do that? Hmm. You could just do a character profile page, just like stats, like um, a page with a picture of them, maybe a turnaround of different views and just be like, hey, this is blank name. Um, they like this food. <laughs> Here's a little biography about them like there's nothing wrong with having a character page you don't have to introduce them in comic form but um beyond that meet the character yeah i'd say a bio page is a good way to go that's one option there are many options out there janet says my dad wants me to make nft art because he said it could be a great start to my art career financially but i'm still not sure 
what it is. It seems very weird. What are your thoughts about NFTs? Well, Janet, we did do a stream specifically about NFTs when that whole Beeple Christie's thing <laughs> exploded on the news. So just look up Art Prof NFT on YouTube. But my feeling right now is that it's the Wild West and it's so new. It's just really chaotic right now. I will tell you that I have one former student who was selling NFTs and doing very well, but it got dicey. There were some not so hot things that were going on and I, I had asked him about it and he wasn't feeling so jazzed about it after some bad experiences. I can't really say more than that, but I would just say it's not predictable and there's no guarantees. And I, I would reevaluate why you're doing something if the only reason is financial art wise because i meet a lot of risky students who go into graphic design as a major and i say why and they say oh because it makes money i just don't think that's a good idea what do you think about that jordan because there is pressure for people to do that i was always told as a kid um do what you love and the money will come um and I'm not saying that in every situation that works, like if you're into like German polka dancing, like maybe there's not a market for that, but- Dang, how did you pull that out from nowhere? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just, just how I am, I guess. Um, anyway, <laughs> but like, but with art, you know, it's such a useful thing, like not just for entertainment purposes, but for, um, you know, we, we thrive off of that. You know, we think about industrial designers who design the things that we use every day or fashion designers. So there's definitely a market out there for pretty much anything you want to do visually. I think where we struggle as ours is just figuring out the best way to create a livelihood out of it. Um, you know, but I, do, I will say that I think now is the best time to become an artist at more than any other time because we have the internet. Yeah, I had somebody reach out to me asking questions about art school in general. And and I, one question that they were really, really, really hung up on was, what are my chances of being employed after I go to art school? And the answer to that is, you cannot predict it. Like, you can go to art school, you cannot go to art school, and your chances of being employed are still unpredictable. You cannot predict what will happen. It's really a wild west in any life decision you make. And there is no field that inherently guarantees employment. Just because you go into graphic design doesn't mean you're going to get a gig. I mean, I know a lot of brilliant artists who are doing amazing work, but they cannot organize themselves business-wise. And I know a lot of talented artists who honestly are not very nice people. I mean, I hire people here for Art Prof. There are a lot of people out there who have the skills, but who are not nice. And I'm like, you're a jerk. I'm not going to hire you. I don't care how great you can draw. Personality matters way more than people think. People think being an artist is all about the skills, but I don't think that's true. What do you think, Jordan? No, I don't want to work with people I don't like. <laughs> Just straight <laughs> up. Like, if you're going to be a jerk all day, you might as well just work by yourself and work at home and have someone else answer your emails and your phone. <laughs> like, you can do the work, great, but if you're not a people person, it's going to be rough for you. Because I would rather hire somebody who's less skilled, needs more training, but is nice. Because I can handle that. You can teach people nice, not nice things. 
You can teach people skills. That's not hard. But you cannot teach people to be nice or to have morals. That, that is not <laughs> my area of expertise as a boss. It's just not something I want to deal with. Miriam says, is it okay to draw Disney characters on social media? Is it okay to draw celebrities? Kat, any thoughts? I mean, sure. If it's just your personal social media, why not? You can draw whatever you want. It's the point of publishing it officially and having some sort of copyright. That's when it gets dicey. That's when you cannot do this, those things. Punk Spider-Man on this live stream. <laughs> that <says everything. laughs> Case in point. <laughs> so there's no correct answer to that, Miriam. But what I would think about in regards to social media is if you do Disney characters and you do celebrities and you build a social media following that is substantial and then you change your mind and realize, oh, I don't want to do fan art anymore. I want to start doing my original characters. You're going to lose your whole audience because you have built that audience based on Disney characters. That's what they have come to you for. And so if ultimately you want people to come to you for your own original characters, don't put that on social media because that's what people will start to see your account as being. Look up a stream that we did on fan art and copyright. Just look it up on YouTube. You guys will be able to find that pretty easily. Candy Licia says, I grew up with a family telling me to do something that will benefit me monetarily when I told them I will be an artist. They weren't keen on it. Then they said, go digital because tech is where the money is. Only if you know how to do it well. I, just because artwork is digital doesn't mean you're sad. What do you think about that, Kat? I agree. It's Again, it's no guarantee you could be working in the quote-unquote tech style. You could be using all the techie things. And it still won't guarantee you a job. But go for it. I mean, if you want to. <laughs> Nothing wrong with pursuing that kind of thing. I don't know. I've worked in illustration and tech for a while and I thought it's the, the money is good, but I don't know if I see much personal growth in this venue, but it's totally reasonable to go that route. There are two sides to every point. I want to say thank you so much to Miriam for the super sticker. <laughs> We greatly appreciate your support. We have a question from Leah who says, any advice on building consistency in followage while using a wide variety of mediums? I've heard that consistency is important, but I can't stick to one thing. I can't either. Here's what you need to remember. Nobody else on the planet can be you. You're going to be you no matter what, <laughs> for the most part. It's, it's pretty hard to not be you. And that can be your consistent thing. So no matter what it is you're making, you're making a portrait, you're making a still life, you can still talk to people in certain ways because that's why people watch one YouTube over another. It's not because, oh, this person knows this technique better necessarily. Oftentimes it's just, oh, you like that person better. Like I think about YouTube channels I watch. There's this one channel that's very highly recommended for YouTube tips. But I'll be honest, I don't like the guy. Like, <laughs> I don't know. There's something about the way he talks that I don't like. 
And so it's not that he doesn't have good information. I'm sure he does. I just don't like his voice. So I have other people I listen to. So I, I don't know that the consistency in the style is more important as much as it is you have to connect with your audience. Like Jordan, you and I talk about this a lot now that you have your own YouTube channel. And you should all go subscribe, by the way. Yes, please. It's called The Joe McBow Show. Um, yeah, I think that was, that was actually one big piece of advice you gave me when I was going back and forth about the channels. Like, no one else is going to be me. And so when I, when I heard that, I was like, you know what, that's a good point. Because I don't even know how many art channels there are on YouTube. Probably thousands, if not even hundreds of thousands or millions or something. And each one of them has a specific audience. There's, you know, some people are kind of upbeat. Some people are more mellow. Some people are somewhere in the middle. And, you know, honestly, the, the whole thing is just be yourself. And I think that's really the case with anything. Just be yourself and people will find you. I hope everybody you will join Jordan and Kat in the Art Prof Discord. They will be hanging out in the post live streams channel. So share any of the work that you were doing during the hangout. And we would like to remind you again, we are doing enrollment for the January premium tracks. We are offering character design, figure drawing and anatomy, MFA portfolios. You get weekly voice sessions, prompt critiques and advice in private channels in the Discord. It's really fun. Registration is due this Friday. Go down to artprof.org and we have links on all of those individual courses, including galleries and sample critiques. And a big thank you to our top Patreon supporters. All of you are the ones that keep the lights on. We are really trying to hit that $6,000 Patreon goal because I want to sleep at night and not worry about whether we have enough money. So don't you all want to help me sleep better? I really could use it because... I need more energy to drool over Benedict Cumberbatch because, you know, you've got to allocate your energy appropriately. <laughs> so, everybody, thank you so much for watching. We'll see you next time. Bye.